Today's read, Midnight in the Meaning of Love, Chapter 5, Jewels from My Father. Back in my room, I pulled down the blanket that I kept folded in in the top corner of my closet. I unfolded it on my bed and then felt around the hemline. I ripped open the hem carefully and retrieved my three diamonds that Uma had sewn securely into the ragtag blanket. It had been my idea to store the diamonds this way. I thought a safety deposit box at the bank was too accessible to employees and higher-ups, and the diamonds were too valuable to me to risk it. Buying a vault for our apartment was too obvious because the streets watch you bring it in, then plot all day, every day for a way to get it out. Putting diamonds into my mattress or anywhere in any criminal would look automatically was dumb. So I kept the beautiful blankets that Uma crocheted for me on my bed and kept this cheap hospital-issued blanket that Uma had received when Naja was born in the closet. I knew this blanket would never receive a second glance or be stolen by anyone. So it made a perfect decoy. I had planned to store the diamonds there until forever. I had hoped to one day hand these three diamonds to my own son, inshallah, the same way that my father had gifted them to me seven years ago. That's how it works with a family heirloom. It is not the same as money a person has inherited or a piggy bank that you go in and out of or even a savings account that you keep for a while with the intention of spending in the near future. An heirloom is something that gets passed from generation to generation. It is something cherished, the same as these diamonds were, not only because of their value, but because they were lessons from my father. In my lifetime, I could work and eventually go and get more diamonds, but they would not be the same African diamonds that my father gave me in the Sudan, along with his lessons and heart and intentions and instructions. For those reasons alone, they could never be replaced. But my father did say that the three three carat diamonds were three wishes. Use them when everything and everyone else around you fails or when you feel trapped. I knew that Naoko Nakamura had me trapped at the moment, but I also knew that I wouldn't allow him to hold me there for long. I would use at least one of the three wishes to go get my wife. It could be said that my using the diamond was the same as giving the diamond to my son. I was not too young to know that if I had a son in this world, he would be wherever my wife was, resting in the comfort of her womb. I rode in with Uma. She had to catch the Ford's midnight shift at the Brooklyn Textile Factory since she'd missed her usual work time. We didn't talk much. 
Uma is the kind of woman who doesn't repeat herself or nag. She knew I understood what must be done, and she would wait to hear my plan and add her thoughts later on. Besides, those midnights when I pick her up from her job are when some of our best ideas and plans are hatched. After I was sure she was straight at her job, I headed to Manhattan to the Diamond District to find a reasonable jeweler among thieves to buy at least one of my diamonds. Six was the magic number. I had seen six jewelers by six o'clock, the time when the jewel merchants generally start feverishly packing to leave the heavily guarded area. I was not satisfied with even one of the six negotiations or offers. I knew what my father's gems were worth. I decided I would come back early the next morning and push until I found the right deal. That same evening, moving east, away from 47th and Avenue of the Americas, where many of the jewels from around the world are stored and bought and sold wholesale and retail, I made a left onto Park Avenue. I strolled up the full length of the blocks. I looked around carefully, checking out the discreetly placed hotels that lined that expensive area. They weren't well known like the Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, and Ramada. I liked that. They were more exclusive, even though their nightly price tag was more than I could afford without cashing in at least one of my diamonds, I had to find the right location to place Uma and Naja while I was away in Japan. I already knew that I would not leave them alone in the Brooklyn projects. We had only two weeks remaining before we could move into our new house in Queens, which we had bought using the money that we earned together from Uma Design, our family business. Uma, an incredible seamstress and an expert in fabrics and textiles and designs, had created and sold enough clothing, hats, upholstery, curtains, and so on to bring in $80,000 over a five-year period. I had managed, marketed, and served as the sales, communication, and delivery person for our company. Now, even in this crisis, the bottom line was that until I was certain that Uma was safe, I couldn't leave the city. As much as I love my wife in my heart and in my blood and even in my bones, Uma will forever be my first love, my mother, and my purpose. After a while, I located a place called The Inn, a small hotel in a four-story brick building on Park. The manager was polite enough to show me a suite without seeming to suspect that I was a criminal like most small business managers and owners instinctively instinctively suspect and treat black males. A brief tour, and I became sure that this place had the right feeling, the right amount of space and cleanliness, as well as a small kitchen for Uma's use. Immediately outside of the hotel was an upscale deli and a low-key pharmacy. 
the hefty price was $350 per night. When I heard the quote, it made me lean back. Then I regained my composure by guaranteeing myself that I would only be gone for three to five days and that this place would help me feel at ease to do whatever I had to do to retrieve my wife. Thank you.